Hello, ghouls and gals. Welcome to the Fair Frequency. This is the Fair Frequency, the premier horror film podcast of the Breaks Media. I am CEO Hayes, your illustrious host, and with me, my brother, the prodigal one himself, JB. JB, what's going on? What's going on, Fair fans? Just here, ready to talk uh, the first purge. And uh, we've been away. It feels like we've been away for a little while, so I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it definitely feels like we've been away for a little, for a little minute. We're a little bit behind our release schedule, but we will get it together. Um, but in, in, since then, you have had the debut of a new podcast on the Breaks Media. That is the Naked Mindset. Everyone go check out this man's podcast because I know he's not going to plug it himself because this is technically a horror podcast, but it's a great show. Anyone who's into deeper content, definitely go check that one out. Appreciate that. But so for any first time listeners of the fear frequency we are a horror podcast and we usually start off with a little bit of news before we get into whatever film we're reviewing for the for the day so on our news docket this week the first thing that we have is the child's play reboot there have been some teaser images released from it it's also been officially announced that brad durif will not be returning to voice chucky um there were some some also some confusion on if the doll's name would actually be chucky because all in the box all you can see is buddy um so that caused a little uproar on social media which i really don't understand considering the box looks pretty much the same as it did in the original the 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 company that makes the dolls has always been called buddy and the dolls specifically name is chucky i i personally don't understand that confusion but JB, how, how do you feel about Brad Dourif not returning, and also these these teaser images? Um, so I, yeah, I saw the teaser images, which are cool. The Brad Dourif thing—that is a massive hit because his voice, like when you think of certain voices, I'll, I'll get a little more iconic voices like James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman. They have like you hear their voice, and you know whose voice that is. And I feel like Brad Dourif's voice is just so connected to to the Chucky character. Um, and the child's play franchise itself. So not having him, I, I, it's, I hope they have someone that can sound very close to him because I'm just used to hearing that. So yeah, that's kind of a big hit for me. And the thing with me is that I, I kind of understand it. So they have the whole child's play TV series that's coming. That's actually a continuation of that original film storyline. And Brad Dourif is going to be on that one. So because of that, they probably wanted to have a, a distinction between the TV series and this new film series that they're, I'm sure they're hoping it's going to spin back off into a franchise. Um, and I, I, if that, if that TV show didn't exist, it, I absolutely would think that we would probably be getting Brad Dourif. But with that being said, I want to ask you this. So it didn't bother me as much, but if you had to cast anyone who's known right now, they may go with the unknown. Whose voice would you pick to play Chucky? Because I know who I would, and it's probably going to shock you, honestly. A voice to play Chucky? Yes. Um, that's tough, man. I off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of like a voice that would fit, and I'm, I'm truthfully, I'm trying to think something that goes along the lines of Brad Dourif. Um, I, I really don't have anybody off the top of my head. Who do you got? Come on, man. You got to pick somebody. Give, come on, give it, a, give, um, it a, give it a shot. I'm trying to think. Trying to think. I got no one, man. Um, I'm trying to think of voices that, again, like, yeah, I have no one. Got no one. My first mind went to Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me think. Yeah, I could see that. But another yeah, one, could... another one, if they wanted to go like, so Ryan Reynolds was my thought because of, like, I think he can do that same type of inflection that Blair Durf do, does with his voice. But if they wanted to go completely, completely off the wall and different with it, my pick would be Christian Bell. But don't you think Christian Bell is too dark? 
the, well, that's why I said if they wanted to go completely, we don't oh, okay. know if this character is going to be darker or not. Um, it just depends on how they wanted to depict the character. But Christian True. Bills is one of those um, actors that I think uh, he can do a lot of different. Like, I'm not saying like do the Dark Knight, the Batman type voice. I, I don't want that. But right. like his his version of an American accent, I think would be creepy enough. But the only thing, and even even like when he was in um, American Psycho, like when he was, he can do the silly type of over the top thing too. So that that would kind of be my pick there. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I, I would probably prefer to now that you, I'm thinking about it more and more. I'd like to see Ryan Reynolds. I think he'd he'd fit perfect in that role. And with his, uh, yeah, I think that could I could I think that could be good. Personally, though, I think the voice they're gonna go with is someone we probably never even heard of. And. And, you know, as we'll talk about with the movie reviewing, I honestly, I would probably like that better. I would really get behind if they just use somebody we've never heard of or anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fresh, fresh talent. Yeah. So you, you'll never get anything out of negative out of casting unknowns to me. Cause I think that that just, that keeps Hollywood fresh. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, Hey, cast unknown. Let's move into our next bit of news. And that actually is. A certain leprechaun will be returning now. JB, me and you are both wrestling fans, and WWE tried to reboot the leprechaun um, a few years ago. It was a horrible movie. Um, they are now doing a sequel to the original leprechaun with this one. Um, I sent, I saw the trailer to it. Uh, what do you think about leprechaun uh, coming back into into the horror realm? Do you think that it could it can be um, fruitful for for a character like this to return? Absolutely. And as I say a lot, I know people probably get sick and tired of hearing me say this, but I think anything works and anything can be fruitful as long as it's done the right way. Now, um, I know for the original Leprechauns, like we were talking a little bit before we started recording with Warwick Davis, I absolutely love those Leprechauns. Some of them were kind of shitty um, and some of them were really good. But for the most part, I like the uh, the franchise. When they did the reboot, I, I never saw it. So, I mean, I don't know how the reboot was, but if there, I think what you said is it's going to be a sequel off the, you know, kind of the original. So, uh, this is definitely one I'm going to keep my eye on. And I really hope that they cast someone that's good, uh, to play the leprechaun because Warwick Davis was really, he was really good. He played that character really well. He was funny, but at the same time, he was, he was scared when he needed to be. So, you know, I hope they find someone as talented as him, if not more talented. Well, there you go. Hopefully they can. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. The Bone Collector is coming to NBC as a TV series. Now we've talked about on the previous episode of this podcast, horror returning in a big way to TV. Um, and actually the movie we're reviewing today, The First Purge is, was basically the direct prequel to the Purge TV series that, that's been on USA. Um, so coming back, uh, NBC, I think also owns USA. So it's kind of all within that same realm there. Um, I know you said that you had never seen the bone collector, um, but it is based off a series of novels. Now, the way that this description reads seems like it may be more like a, like a, a crime based show, like, like CSI or something like that. But what do you think about, about, uh, about bone collector coming as a TV series? Yeah. I mean, um, if it, I don't know how successful it was as a movie, but if it was successful, then sure, why not? I mean, um, you know, it's we're it's crazy. We're seeing the influx of all these these um, shows and these 
things from the past coming out into TV shows. I know this is not necessarily horror, but I just happened to um on Netflix. I don't want to get too off tangent, but on Netflix they have, and I'm sure everyone's heard of this, uh, the show called Riverdale. And I remember when I was, I don't know if you've heard of it or saw it, but when I was a kid, I was like a huge fan of the Archie comics, and basically that's what Riverdale is. But um yeah, we're seeing an influx of a lot of stuff from the past, so I think it's good. Um, Bone Collector, uh, obviously we have. I don't know if they've released the cast yet, but we'll have to see what the cast is and you know what the premises uh, of the show. But yeah, I- I'll if it's if it's re- related to horror or and related to what you're saying, like CSI type stuff, I- I- I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, it doesn't. It's not too procedural. Um, but but we'll see. I just those procedural shows. As much as I love Law and Order SVU, they do get kind That's of. That's my shit. Yeah, that's the one I like I I will watch a new episode of that every time it comes on. Um Benson is the shit. Um, yes, <laughs> but uh yeah, so well I mean we'll 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 watch it closely. We'll see how it goes. The next one though is is one that you brought up to me, JB, and I don't I don't honestly don't know how I missed this, but Jason Blum signing an A picture deal with Amazon. Uh Blumhouse we've talked about before. They they almost can't miss it all. So I'm really looking forward to this. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think this is a huge deal, both for um, Blumhouse and also uh, Amazon. I mean, uh, according to what it says is it's basically going to be they signed a deal and it's going to be eight movies and they're all going to be connected. It's going to be um, the word they used again was themat- like thematically. So I'm sure there's going to be some sort of. Um, well, they said it's going to be some sort of connection. So, I, you know, I can't wait till it release. I don't think they gave a release date yet, but isn't it crazy how like Blumhouse is like all over the place on like everything? Like, rewind just a couple, like, you know, a couple years ago, like there was no such thing as Blumhouse. Um, or, or it was so minute, so small. And now he's just basically taking over the genre. He is the genre now. So isn't it, I mean, it's crazy to see how much the Blumhouse has grown and Jason Blum himself. Yeah, it's it's wild, it's crazy. Um, but you know, he he until they like have a string even even if they have a miss or two, I'm still gonna believe in the brand until they just completely shoot themselves in the foot, which I don't see. And something that Jason Blum does is that he completely like he hires writers and directors that he believes in and he doesn't try to control it too much. He really lets them do their thing and that freedom I think is why we we see the quality in the products that they do because everyone that they hire is passionate about what they're doing. And you know, that that can't that's great and it and it keeps that genre fresh. Um what I will say about this is that my first mind when I hear that they're going to all be connected, it so there was this thing where they were trying to do, I think it was called Dark Universe, where they're trying to get Dracula and Frankenstein and everything kind of in, in the connected universe. What if okay. Amazon does that with the original Universal Monsters? Um, mm, I, I don't know. You, well, okay, so when you say Universal Monsters, you're talking Dracula and um, Frankenstein and all that? Yeah, Dr- Dracula, Frankenstein. Um, who else can we throw in there? And the Invisible Man. Um the creature from the Black Lagoon, all all that type of stuff. The were- werewolf. Honestly, I hope it's not that because I'm not fans of any of that shit. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm just not. I'm just, you know, obviously I would still watch it because it's Blumhouse. So I, you know, you're kind of forced to watch it because everything he does is so, is so good. Almost everything he does. So I'd still watch it, but I, I never had like connections to those characters, and I never like got into those type those storylines, and you know, ever big a big fan of that. So I really do hope. It's not something that I do hope it's something more modern or even futuristic, you know, kind of something that we've never seen before rather than some, you know, a, a kind of a remake or, or or kind of 
inspired off of something else. I want to see something brand new and fresh. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I'd rather see something brand new. Um, but it, I'm, that was just like, that's not my actual prediction. It's just something that came to mind first that I spit out there. Um, but yeah, anything left on this that you want to talk about before we move on? Uh, no, I think that we pretty much covered it. So it is the 20 year anniversary of I Know What You Did Last Summer. 20 years, JB, we are getting old. The fact that this came up, I th- like, I, what, so 20 years ago, that means I had to be 11 when I Know What You Did Last Summer came out. Uh, what, what's your first memories or, or thoughts to come when you hear about the 20 year anniversary of that film? I cannot believe it's 20 years. When that movie came out, I was in high school, 20, I was 15 years old. And, um, oh my God. I, yeah. That, I, I can't believe it's been 20 years. That's amazing. But I, I'll tell you, I was a huge fan of, I know what you do last summer. And, and, um, just the, the, all the movies that came out after it, I was, you know, I was, I was fans of it. And, um, I mean, what, what teenager was not in love with freaking, um, Sarah Michelle Geller and Jennifer Love Hewitt? Yeah, I know I was. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know what you did last summer is just a great film and, I think everything that came out around the time. So it was like, I don't know if that or urban legend were first, but I love both of those movies. Um, and I, I kind of always, when I have to watch one, I watch the other. So that, that's just how my mind works with those. And I still know what you did last summer. I know that that sequel gets heat, but I, I still enjoyed it. Oh yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Brandy, Brandy was in that, but, um, it's crazy. You just mentioned urban legend. I know for a fact there are not too much, but urban legend never gets any kind of, any kind of shine at all like no when you when people are talking about movies from that time era i never hear anyone bring up urban legend and they made quite a few movies if i'm not mistaken they made at least i'd say at least three or four movies i know they definitely made at least two and um that movie never i never hear anyone talk about it and those movies were pretty good yeah the first two were really good the third one was like bloody mary like went completely into like the supernatural Um, right but yeah i i I'm surprised they haven't rebooted that. It's it's coming. We're we're going into reboot season uh, or decade. Like there's going to be like a nice three year stretch of a bunch of reboots, so we may get it. Whether we like it or not, they're all coming back some way, shape, or form. Uh, a large portion of them because it's just it's just we see how much is coming back. And the thing is, I don't know is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Because um, what why I ask if it's a bad it's a good thing because it's nostalgia and we want to see these things. But is that bad thing because are these people, are the writers and directors and producers so lacking of creativity? Like, shit, I don't know what to do. Let's just bring one of these back. Is that, um, like you said, we were wrestling fans. And um, just just a real quick, like during WrestleMania time, which is like the Super Bowl of wrestling, we'd always talk about like, oh, they bring in all these guys that, all these guys that you never see all year, they bring them back because they have nothing better going on. Same concept. Like, do you think that it's a lack of creativity while they're doing all these reboots? Because they have nothing, no other fresh ideas. I don't necessarily think it's it, it is some of that. Like some of it is the studio saying, "Oh, we have this property that has all this brand recognition. Um, let's do it. Let, let's bring that back, and we can get a we can get a bunch of of eyes on it or viewers or people to come buy tickets." But I think also when you when you look at it at a deeper level, think about it. The people who would be making these films now, well, ideally, if they bring in the hot directors or writers, are people like us who grew up on these movies. So maybe it's more of something like that. Maybe it's more of a, hey, I grew up watching I Know What You Did Last Summer. I I I, I love that movie. 
I think I, I have a, a new unique way to bring it back for my nostalgia, not necessarily like as a cash grab, like some of the studios do, but maybe it's people who, who legitimately have passion about these films and they want, they want to bring it back because it means something to them. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they, they if, when they bring it back, they automatically have, you know, guys like people like you and I for that nostalgia factor. Plus they could just bring in a whole brand new audience we could just lead to a brand new franchise. So yeah, I could see, I could see what you're saying is correct. Yeah. I mean, so, well, I mean, we'll see if they, if they, with all these reboots that we're getting, um, we'll just see how it goes. I mean, but you, it's funny cause you, you say that and you never really hear much about urban legends. So maybe, maybe as our next, our next retro review, we'll do urban legend. Absolutely. I would love that. I love like one, maybe one of the first two ones. Yeah. Yeah, that that'll be fun. Um, but moving on from that, we the next bit of news is not as fun. Unfortunately, the um the comic world lost Stan Lee, the great. He passed away at the age of ninety five, so he lived a nice, full, amazing life. And when you think about Stan Lee, he really I think he didn't like really started making it big with Marvel until thirty nine, um, to age thirty nine. But man, like all I can think of, and I'm an actual comic fan, so I'm not just like the Marvel movies or anything. The the characters he created were my escape. A kid that grew up overseas with, which is me, who had that language barrier, who I always moved around because I was a military brat, but I always had comics. I always had those characters. And it was just, you know, I wanted to mention, I know we're a horror podcast, but I think we would have been remiss if we didn't mention the passing of Stan Lee. Absolutely. I mean, horror or not, the bottom line is Stan Lee is just iconic. Um, you know, sad, sad what happened. But like you said, he lived a full great life. Um, and I have, uh, you know, kind of like you, I grew up with comics. I remember as a child doing chores around the house so I could get an allowance. And I spent my allowance on one of two things, either a pack of basketball cards or comic books. That's it. That's all. That's that's all I spent my money on. And as a kid, the comics and all these different types of comics, you know, that's what I grew up on. So Stanley, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think it, it would have been injustice if we didn't at least mention him, um, regardless, again, it being horror or not. Yep, yep, yep. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a moment of silence for Stanley. After that, you're going to hear the intro music for the Fear Frequency. Team. We're going to go ahead and get into our movie review. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the NFFA social experiment on Staten Island, New York. Weapons of class four and lower have been authorized for use during the experiment. All crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 continuous hours. Blessed be our new founding fathers and America, a nation reborn. May God be with you all. All right, JB, it's time to discuss the first purge, which it's so funny because when we talked about it, when we got on to record, you were like, oh, no, I watched the original purge. And this because <laughs> this title was just so stupid. But when when you think about the fact that this is actually what kicks off the TV series, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense that they titled this the first purge. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, actually, originally they were going to call it Purge Island, which I think would would have been stupid, but I guess no one thought about, hey, you know what? This might be confusing the first purge or that first actual movie, the purge. But um, yeah, like you said, it's a jumping off point to the to the TV show. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is another Blumhouse production. Um, so like, like you said, they just own the genre. But, um, before we, before we, you know, get into the movie itself, the Purge series, how do you feel about the Purge series? Not the TV series, the film series. I, I mean, I love it. I loved almost all their movies with the exception of election year, which I think was flat. I enjoyed Purge, Purge Anarchy. And obviously we'll get into this new one. Election year didn't really do it for me, to be quite honest. Um, would I ever watch it again? Probably not. But all the other, all the other ones, absolutely, absolutely, definitely love them. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I like them. I, I even, I enjoy Election Year for what it is. Um, Election Year is more of a, hey, we had Frank Grillo, we we needed to bring him back, let him do his thing. Um, so I understand it from that point, but uh. Yeah, the, it's definitely the weakest in the series, I think. Um, the original is, is a classic to me. It's just Absolutely. one of those movies that, that the whole concept and everything of it, and I think it captured it perfectly at the time. It, it's, yeah, it, that's a classic horror film, in my opinion, at this point. Um, if you, you can at me if you disagree with me on that one. So I'll, I, I'll take that one <laughs> to Twitter. Um, Petty Roosevelt may, may have to strike again. Uh, undefeated. I know he's waiting in the way. He's just waiting for something. He's just waiting oh, for man. something. Oh man. Oh man. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the, the purge series and the purge series. I think for me, just as a personal thing, I think horror was stagnant until the purge. And I'm not saying the purge like caused this is the, the single catalyst for horror getting better, but it definitely stood out in a time where for me, horror movies were just meh pretty much. Yeah, I see that, but um, I just want to not change the subject, but you mentioned the word horror three times just now. I actually counted each time because I knew I was going to bring up what I'm about to bring up. And there are a lot of people, um, you know, I've read different things who wouldn't necessarily categorize this movie or this series as horror. They would um, categorize it more as like uh, action or thriller. Or, uh, thriller. Yeah. Correct. What I want to know, what are your thoughts on that? See, and that's something that we need to one day, rather than doing our news segment, I think we need to just have a discussion topic on thriller versus horror, straight up horror and what we because the, the lines to that gets blurred. I would say that the yes. first the first Purge movie is a borderline between it's like the perfect border between horror and thriller to me. And I think they've 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 gone more and more closer to action thriller as the series has gone on. Um and this one is like almost a complete action movie to me. And we'll talk about it. There's almost like no horror in, in, the, in the first purge to me at all. It's like an action movie. It's like, yeah. it's, you know what? It's like escape from New York. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And the thing is, um, I know we'll, you're right. Maybe one day we'll take, we'll take a, a little more while and kind of dive into it and get a little more in depth, but just real quick, the thing is, a lot of people have to also understand in just the genre horror, uh, the genre horror, <laughs> in mm -hmm. the genre horror, there are so many subgenres. There's like 20, 30 different subgenres. And I think a movie like The Purge would fall under something sort of like action horror. And everybody's definition of horror is different. If you were to ask me when I was a kid, what is horror? If it was not a slasher movie, or involving something supernatural, um, it, that's not a horror to me. It, like, it'd have to be something supernatural, like some sort of exorcist-type movie or a slasher film. Outside of that, it's not horror. But as I grew up, I kind of understood that there's different types of horror, and like I said, the subgenre. So yeah, definitely one day we should definitely get into that. Yeah, that and that's, that's, and it's, it's so funny because it's, 
it's a lot of movies that you can like walk that line with if you really look at what's categorized as horror. And I agree with you. For the longest time, slasher films were horror to me. Um, even like supernatural, I kind of supernatural movies. I almost had them as their own just supernatural category. Sure. Um, but it's it's really it's 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 weird how how much it's like all encompassing and it it's if you if you drew a Venn diagram of it, there would be a lot of overlap between thriller, horror, action. And then supernatural. Yes, so. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that statement. And um, I know usually when we do these when we do these episodes, I kind of um, set the table a little bit. Um, there's not really much to talk about in terms of like behind the scenes info and news and stuff like that. Just a couple, uh, two quick things I really wanted to mention. Um, first, were the financials. Uh, the budget for the movie was thirteen million dollars, and um, the money it made was really astonishing, and um, there's a reason I say that. It made $136 million, over $136 million wor- worldwide, which is amazing. But what kind of caught my eye? It made $69 million domestically, but foreign, it made $67 million. I don't think I've ever seen a movie, whether horror or any movie, that was almost 50-50 domestic and foreign. So um, apparently people overseas really love this movie because it almost matched the domestic um, salary, which I, I mean, the, the domestic uh, grows, which is crazy. Yeah, I think people trust the Purge movies. I think the thing with the Purge films are that you know that even if the story isn't quite the best, you're going to get some really interesting kills. You're going to get some really over-the-top characters. People show up to see what characters are going to come out the purge movie as much as they see see the story um and they've had some really iconic over the course of four movies they've had some really just visually stunning characters or characters that you just that you look at as just over the fucking top and so people come for that people come to see hey i can dress up as that for halloween or i can do something crazy like that it's 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 all of them are visually stunning in their own right yeah, I have to absolutely agree with that. So let let's talk a little bit about the concept of first purge for all those all those people who have never seen a purge movie. Can you explain basically what the concept of the purge movies are? Yeah, so the concept of the purge movies are that for twenty four hours, um, all crime is legal, whether it be murder, uh, uh, robbing, anything. It's all legal. Um, the, the specific concept of this first purge movie is that this is the test for making it a law, uh, countrywide of, of, of the purge. And they have constricted it to, it's Staten Island, correct? Yes, Staten Island. And I believe it's 12 hours. 12 hours. You're right. It's 12 hours where all crime is legal. Um, and so you get, you get this interesting thing to where it, it makes you question yourself. If everything was legal for 12 hours, what would I do? Would I be the person out there purging? Would I, would I go and rob? Like everyone's not necessarily out there to kill. Some people do just try to go and rob and, and get what they can, but would I be out there doing that? Or would I be the person who, who takes myself away from that? I don't purge and I just do what I can to keep me and my family safe. And it, it making you think what you would do is one of the things that draw people into the series. 100%. Even when watching this movie, me and my wife actually watched this movie together. And I kept ask, like, kept saying, like, what would I do uh, if I was in this? And I guess it depends on the status of myself, like where I am in my life at that point. How old I am? Do I have a family? What's my financial status? And, 
you know, the concept for this one for first purge, it's it's kind of crazy. You know, what do you think about the how they went into the low income area? I feel like if this was actual to be a real thing, which I don't see this ever being a, a real something that would ever happen, that would ever get approved ever, no matter who's the president. I say I don't see something like this ever happening. But let's just say it did. I think exactly what happened here is what would happen. They would definitely go to, you know, kind of a low income um, area because these are the people that need money most. So they're they're more willing to risk more for money. Yeah, I mean, the purge being used for gentrification. Absolutely. That's absolutely what would happen. So I got to ask, would you take part? What would your strategy be? Okay, so I have a family, so no, I would not take part. If you if you would have asked a 19 year old Hayes. What would he do? I probably absolutely would have been out there, not still, not robbing people, but I would have been taking what the fuck I can, uh, a Bentley, a beam or something. That's not, I would have found a way to get what I wanted. Um, unfortunately, and that's just me admitting it, but no, I mean, honestly, as a grown man, no, there's no way I'd be at home. I'd invest in whatever I can to keep my kids safe and we would be, um, in the house, making sure no one breaks in, probably cooking and eating and trying to, to just get through it the best way we can. See, here's my problem, though. Like, OK, I'm married as well. So, again, if, if this was a younger version of me, I would be out there not killing. But like you, I would be like getting some video games and and shit like that uh, if this was a younger version of me. But I, I mean, now I'm married and everything. So why would I wouldn't stay home? Why not just leave, go to freaking Queens for the day? Or why why stay? I understand your home is there, but lock that shit up and go. It's not worth dying for. Yeah, true, true. I mean, and I mean, if I had the financial means, then when the purge is coming, we just go vacation to freaking uh, Hawaii or uh, Mexico, some something completely a different country. We'd find a way to go to a different country for one day or the weekend or whatever it is. Exactly. So, um, I think that's kind of a loophole. Um, in the purge, because technically, even if they don't have the, even if you don't have the financial backing, all you have to do, especially in this first purge, it was only relegated to one borough, like one city, Staten Island. Uh, they had ferries leaving, and even if they didn't have ferries leaving, um, there would, there, there would have been some, well, actually, I guess without the ferry, um, it kind of, cause it's on an island, so be, you can't just really walk across, but I'm sure the ferries were, were at free, free charge, so, um, yeah, why not just leave? But I, I, then again, if they leave, then you don't have a movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I'd definitely be gone. Definitely. How do you feel about the political undertones in this? The political undertones in the purge have, have gotten progressively and progressively increased over the course of the series. In this film, though, um, I felt like it, w- it was needed. Like it, it, because they're trying to establish how, how a government, how a government would get to the point of allowing something like this, you kind of needed to tell that story. And again, I keep looking at this through the realm of this was the film to kick off directly the TV series. You needed this to establish it. Yeah, I think there was two totally blatant um, things that happened in this movie. I'm sure there were more, but that I can remember that it was just blatant that – they were referring to, for example, Donald Trump. Um, at one point when the president in this movie was talking about like America's dream and saying America will dream again, basically like, you know, Donald Trump saying, um, you know, make America great again. And the probably the most obvious when, um, one of the main characters, Nye was walking underneath the subway and someone grabbed her, started feeling up her crotch. She kicked him away. And as she's running away, she yells, 
pussy grabbing motherfucker and that's like <laughs> so obvious yeah yeah um i mean but you know that's the era we live in there's so much so many donald trump jabs at almost everything you see it's it it's it's the easy thing for people to go to especially when you're doing anything that's political leaning yeah absolutely so let, let's 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 get into this a little bit more um I, I, I really, the thing is, so, I mean, fuck it. Let's talk about it, JB. Is this just an action movie? Like, are, are we, are we reviewing our first action movie on the fair frequency? Yeah. If, if, if someone's going to say this is not an action movie, that, that would be incorrect. It's an action movie. And, and, you know, kind of like I said before, this, it's an action horror movie because it does have rumblings of horror. So it is an action horror movie, but I have to say, um, it's one of my favorite purges because I, and I know I'm kind of jumping the guns on saying that, but I feel like there's a lot of story in this one versus like, for example, the first perk, well, the original purge. And when I say the original purge, I, don't get me wrong, I love the original Purge, but I felt like they kind of just jumped into, uh, okay, it's Purge time, and, and there was kind of no background story. This, I felt like all the characters had some sort of story behind them. You had like three main characters. You had Naya, you had her brother Isaiah, and you had um, Dimitri. All of them had their storylines, and um, I actually liked all of them. And uh, there was more story behind it. I felt like there was more substance Versus the other purchase. So I, I was, uh, I, you know, I'm a big fan of it. So going back to the question though about action, sure, it's action. There's tons of probably more action in this one more than any of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Out of though that, uh, those three characters, Dimitri, Naya and Isaiah, um, I feel like they, they balanced it very well between those three, but who is your favorite character in this film? Hands down 100%. It was 100% Dimitri to the fact that after this movie, I was like, I need to see what else this guy has done because I really, I, re- I he was really good in there. I'm, don't get me wrong. Uh, well, Isaiah was kind of whatever. Naya was good. Uh, Dimitri was great. And I, you know, I, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of him in the future. Um, I don't know. I, nothing really stands out in anything he's been in. Um, I know Naya was in, uh, we were talking a little bit before she was in the Tony Braxton movie on Lifetime. She played Tony Braxton. But I don't know anything major either of them have been in, but I know we're going to see more of him because he was he was really good. Yeah, yeah Dimitri he actually plays in Insecure on uh on oh, HBO. Yes. Um, he's a big character there, which really is when a lot of people started taking notice to him. But um, yeah, I think I think in Insecure you get to see that he's a solid actor. You don't he doesn't really he doesn't and this may piss people off, but he doesn't really have too much character there. In the first purge, he, he, you can now say that you can see he has action yep. chops. Like I would never say he's going to go and, and deliver an Academy award winning acting portrayal or anything, but as an action star, I can completely get behind him in film. Yeah. He looks like a, he looks like a total badass. And especially in that, the last scene, you know, we'll get into it later. Like the last scene when he's going into the, the, the um, apartment building. He looked like a total badass in the whole movie. Really, he looked like a total badass. So, yeah, really, um, I was really glad to see, um, you know, him. And, and this is what we we're talking about a little bit before. I don't, I didn't know any of these people, but sometimes when you don't know the characters or or know these people, know the talent, and they're fresh, 
it's it's a surprising welcome because like I never knew who this guy was. I've never seen um what did you say the show was in uh in Insecure. Undisputed? Insecure. I've never seen this show on HBO, so I didn't know who this guy was. So it was it was uh it was a nice surprise, like okay, this guy is good. Same thing with the girl. Um I never saw the Tony Braxton movie, I just happened to see it on the research that she was in there. So yeah, I was, you know, glad to see both of these. Uh both uh Naya and Dimitri. Well, now here's and a- Naya is fine. Oh, she is ridiculously fine. Like, I'm, let me not even get into that. But she, she's abso- absolutely, absolutely, absolutely 100% fine. I noticed it from the, like, beginning. But here's another question for you. Dimitri's character, um, if you just step out for a second, he's, he's, he's the, the character we're rooting for and we're cheering for. But at the same time, this is a guy that is a, a drug dealer. He's, he's a gang member. And he really has brought down his neighborhood, brought down his own community, killing him, really his own people. And this is the guy we're rooting for. I understand throughout the movie he changes, and maybe by the time the movie's over, he's he's a better man. But this is the guy that we're rooting for. Do you think there's anything in that? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think they're trying to tell the story of redemption how yes no matter what somebody has done uh that doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to be that person and i i can get behind that um but i can also see why some people would have problems with it but i think that they they tell it in a tasteful way and it's a this is a relatively short movie this is a 90 minute movie uh 98 minutes i think um so it's not one of those two hour long horror movies that it just it it hits you over the head or tries to fit in a bunch of story but in 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 the time that they had they i think they effectively told why he would go from point a to where he ends up in this movie at the end yeah and i think that's why i kind of like his character so much his character evolved throughout the entire movie he went from like this this like you know gangster to like someone that like okay cares like yes he's a gangster but he cares about his gang, his family, but then going to like, you know what? I need to, to like a protector. Like I need to protect the neighborhood and protect the girl, you know, his ex-girlfriend. And so we saw the character evolve throughout, even up until the end, kind of still evolving. So yeah, that's why I was definitely a big fan of that character. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely uh, a great character. And one of the the better written ones, I'm, I'm kind of mad that they didn't like pick up on him in the, in the, in the TV show, but nonetheless, um, so maybe, we talked go ahead no no i say maybe you never know you he might pop up in a guest role or something especially since this just came out you might see him in the guest in a guest roles or maybe they might pick him up for another season you never know yeah you never know um but isaiah isaiah to me um you know how in every movie there's kind of that disposable character that is like yeah. just there that yes. was absolutely him in this movie like there was a point where i thought like I think right before like the block party scene, I thought, okay, maybe they'll do more with him. But they absolutely did not. Like I, he was by the end of this movie, I did not care if he lived or died. Yeah, I didn't care either. And I, I, I want to say something, and I'm gonna get total shit from this, and probably you too. Um, okay, so uh, um, I want to say, yeah, it was Bo- okay. Boys in the Hood was Cuba Gooding was in Boys in the Hood, correct? Yes. I know you're like, why the fuck is he talking about boys in the hood? But here's the thing. I felt like I, I don't know why Isaiah kind of reminded me of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character from um, boys in the hood. And I don't know why. Um, I felt like it, they were both kind of the same person. And they like Isaiah was kind of a bitch. 
Um, that, that's, that's just my, my take. And like, whether he, I didn't care if he died or not. I didn't want Naya to die. I didn't want Dimitri to die. I didn't want, I forgot what the, what the name of the other chick was, the, the feisty, um, the feisty black chick. I forgot what her name was. The one that was kind of, even with the attitude, I didn't want her to die. I liked her too. But Isaiah, I really could have cared less whether he died or not. I wanted, if Skeletor would have killed him, I wouldn't have given a damn. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I'm right there with you, but Skeletor, let's talk about Skeletor. <sighs> So we've talked, we, I've mentioned how there's been some iconic visual stunning characters in the Purge series. They're obviously going something for Skeletor. What did you think about his character? He, he looks freaky as hell, man. He looks freaky and as hell. And the thing is, I saw a picture of the regular guy and the, the, the guy, he just looks like a normal person. So whatever visual effects they did make up and whatever, they did a great, great job because he looked freaky as hell. What about you? Yeah. I'll, I love the way that he that he looked. I love when he's getting grinded on. You just know something <laughs> crazy is happening. Like, first of all, who the hell would grind on somebody that looks like that? But she <laughs> <laughs> got low standards, bro. Exactly, man. Like, hey, hey. I mean, there's there's one in every club, and he just happened to find the right one that night. But um, yeah. I mean, he was he was he was definitely a scary character. I loved how um. Like when Isaiah is running from him, he's just calmly telling him, like, where are you going to go? Um, so I, yeah, I, I liked more than I didn't like about his character. I just feel like as him kind of being like, I, I don't want to say the centerpiece, but as him being like the one truly, truly visual, just stunning thing in this movie, the over the top thing. I just, I, I don't know. I wanted him to be a little bit stronger than what he ended up being. You're referring to Isaiah? No, Skeletor. Oh, well, yeah, well, I mean, you wanted him to be stronger? I think he was strong as hell. I mean, he, he, um, killed a lot of people. And yeah. then even after he was stabbed, yes, he got stabbed, but he still came back at the end. And regardless, there was like, you know, 20 of those guys, those, those militant guys, and he didn't give a shit. He went after each and every one of them. So he went down like a boss, but, just a quick uh, pre-movie story um, about Skeletor. So I want everyone to think about Skeletor. Think about how he looked in this movie, how crazy he looked and, and how he was. Now think about this. When he went to audition for this movie, he was dressed in character and he rode on the New York City subway to the audition. Can you imagine sitting in the freaking train and looking up and seeing that guy? in the train with you <laughs> oh man i think i would think that the purge is actually starting in real life and i'd have to get the fuck up out of there especially if he was like going over line like going over lines in the script or like act uh, you know he had the way like the mannerisms he was doing or like this, this crazy shit he was saying imagine he starts doing that in the train i would have freaked the hell out <laughs> yeah man um yeah it, that's 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 interesting that's one way to get a role um to to like just show up in character like you're almost guaranteed to get the role at that point if you're a halfway decent actor exactly and i think he's, i think he played the role really well oh yeah he his acting was on point like i have nothing wrong with the way he portrayed the character i just i mean in everything that you said yes he killed a lot of people yeah it took like the mer he kicked some mercenary ass but i don't know maybe maybe, maybe that's just me you know I, I, you have what you want black you panther yeah, him to go full Black Panther, uh, vibranium, all that shit. <laughs> now I want to ask you this: uh, You've seen all the Purge movies, I'm assuming, right? Yes. So, what did you think about the like just the tone of at least the first half of this movie? Because it was a you know we in all the Purge movies we've seen, you've seen kills left and right all over the place usually, but I felt like the first kill took a while to come, at least 
I don't I didn't I didn't have the time on, but I, I'd say at least thirty to forty five minutes into the movie did we get the first kill. The, the the first half was pretty slow. Would you I mean not that there was anything wrong with that, but what do you feel about the tone starting the movie that way? Well I think if, I think when you think about this being basically a prequel, it makes sense. Because in what we saw before, the purge had been established. People had complete routines, uh methodologies and everything that they were going about in the purge to kill people this one people were a little bit more hesitant they didn't really know because this is the very first one so maybe like maybe that's why it took it took us a while to get to it because think about it if you if if the purge started today and it was the very first one people would 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 not automatically go to just on huge murdering sprees they may be murder one person if they if that's just what's in them um but it probably is yeah, it depends on, yeah, unless they're already murderers, but yeah, I mean, but just general, the, the, the regular population wouldn't just immediately go into, oh yeah, we're just going to start killing motherfuckers. Like you have to warm into <laughs> it. So maybe that's right. what they were trying to set with this movie. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent correct on that. And, and then I like how the guys running the show behind the scenes, they're like, shit, no killing is going on. So they decide to like plant their own people with their own agendas to kind of get things rolling. And I kept on saying like, Hey, you guys are bitching about no action going on, going on. Why not just like, you know, do something about it? Like, um, I don't, I don't, for anyone who saw the movie condemned, uh, the first condemned, I don't, I don't, uh, Hayes, I don't know if you saw it with, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin mm-hmm. and they were, it was all these convicts on an island and, um, the goal was for all of them to kill each other and the person who, would survive would would kind of be set free and nothing was going on they were kind of at an idle moment so what happened was the people who were running the show they started dropping these care packages and it was like weapons and and explosives and all kinds of shit but it was it was kind of like a booster to get the action going and i kept on saying if they want some sort of action they need to do something like that and then lo and behold they release all these mercenaries they release what look like nazis and what look like the uh clan and um, what do you? What were your thoughts on that aspect of of the guys running the scene bringing those type of uh, groups into the fold? I mean, it makes sense. They the the the, the purge started for it, it's it's political based, so it's politicians trying to get certain things across. What do they do to stir the pot? They have planted people. We're wrestling fans. When when WWE wants a certain chance to get, do they have plants in the audience? Absolutely, yes, the fuck they do. So that it 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 makes sense. It, and I think when when I see stuff like this, it's just funny how much you can associate with wrestling. And I know yes. we're not a wrestling podcast, but this that definitely is what it put me in the mindset of. Yeah, well, I guess it shows how how uh, Vince McMahon you know, the, the owner of WWE wants to be so much like entertainment and wants to be like movies. And that's why there's that, there's that similarity. Now I, I want to see if we're on the same page here. What was the, why was the purge, the purge? Why did they want the purge? I want I, I want to see if we have the same understanding of why they wanted to do the purge. I took it as that they wanted to, like I said, gentrification, gentrification. They wanted to, um, wean off some of the population um that they they wanted to get a stronghold um in 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 that city or the country i should i guess i should say what what did you take it as um yeah something along those lines i felt like they wanted to lower the population but not necessarily um any sort of population but the lower income population because um i remember you know the 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 character i forgot what the character's name was but the guy that was with marissa tomei the guy kind of running the show i remember him and marissa tomei talking and it was like these low income people well when marissa tomei found out 
that they sent all those plants in, she kind of unveiled like, hey, listen, you're doing this because you want these low-income families and these low-income areas to die because the NFFA, which was like the National Founding Fathers uh, Association or something like that, the guys that were running this, they have spent so much money helping these low-income areas that you know they wanted to just kill them off so they don't have to provide them with money anymore. And it's kind of crazy when you really think about it. Like, imagine if America did that. Imagine if America was like, you know what? Every single person that's on welfare and social security, we're gonna, we're gonna have a purge and we're gonna just send in plans to kill all of them. How crazy that would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it makes sense. Well, I mean, I, I, let me not sound like that. It would make <laughs> sense from, from the rules that they, that they set forth in this movie. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, how much money are you really saving the government by doing something like that? So, it, it it's sad, but it 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 not anything that I that I think would not to this extreme, but I wouldn't be surprised if if somebody's had thoughts like that before. If they approached you and are like, "Yo, Hayes, we want you to be a part of this." From from that 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 angle, from that point of view, what would you have said? Kiss my grit, son. Yeah, I'd be like, "Nah, I'm good with that. <laughs> Maybe I'll podcast about it." But that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do. I'll do the first after purge, uh, the the purge after show podcast. Like I'm good exactly. on that. <laughs> we'll just set up a table right there in the middle of the freaking street and just like, all right, purgers. Uh, so here's the kill count, and uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you just killed four people. Tell me what you think about how how you feel about it. But uh, <laughs> imagine interviewing Skeletor. <laughs> oh man, but uh, so what? So. Anything else with this movie? Like before we get to talking about then, I know we we're, we're trying. We want this podcast to feel like a conversation, so we're trying to get away from like the the strict recap and reviews and and breaking down each plot point. But uh, anything left in this in this film overall? Like anything that stands out to you? There, the thing is, as good as this movie was, there's not like a bunch of story here. Like the it, it people set up to get killed. It's an action movie. It was fun. Um. Dimitri is a complete badass. That whole ending scene, like you said, it just completely establishes him. Um, but the man survives a, 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 trying to get killed in the middle of starting a threesome, which that was just a great scene to me. Wait, oh yeah, right, right. When the two, when they pulled out the knives, right? Knives, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, that that was crazy. But just to take it one step further, how about when they were driving and you literally, you literally see a couple <laughs> butt naked. Fucking, fucking on the car. And he's, he's like, damn, they got their own purge going on. They're purging right now. And they just banging in the middle of the street while all this killing's going on. And then they immediately get hit by a flaming car after that. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, that's what happens when you watch it, when you're watching that. That's exactly what happens. Oh, man. Actually, funny. we didn't talk about two more characters. I know they were very, they weren't, they were in the film very short. But I don't know if they were like nurses or they were orderlies from a hospital. Those two ladies that set set the, the explosive in the teddy bears. Oh yeah. What you think about them? I think they were kind of funny. I know they were in a short a short part, but yeah, I, I, the whole teddy bear thing, the explosives, especially when because that was that was Isaiah that that went through that, right? Yes, it was. I wish he would. I wish he would have died there. I know. Fucking right? kill him. Um, but no, I mean they were they were cool, man. They they didn't completely stand out to me, but. 
they they were cool. The whole explosive teddy bears thing, I think, is a good visual though. Like, could you just imagine walking down the street and you're like, oh, they're, they're, there's teddy bears in the floor, and picking it up, and you realize it's a fucking explosive? Yeah, that was. And then I know I mentioned this earlier. The the uh the guy, I assume he's a rapist that was underneath the subway. I mean, this dude is so thirsty for some poon. He tied a baby doll on his freaking forehead to make a noise of a baby to kind of like lure a woman in. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, when you try to pull her in. I was I mean yeah. he he had a doll attached <laughs> to his forehead so it can make the, the the noise, the baby noise. How crazy is that? Everyone's worried about killing everybody and he's trying to find someone to rape. Hey, all crime is legal. I mean hey. Yeah, I I guess so. Poon hounds, pussy grabber. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's thirsty in their own way, I guess. Yeah, I guess, I guess, man. What do you think about the ending of this film? Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed the ending, and I think this is the most, uh, like, well, probably, I don't know if this was the most action we got, but I love the entire ending. Just Dimitri going into the home and trying to get up the way to, the, I think it was like the thir- they're on the thirteenth or fourteenth floor, and the mercenaries going in and trying to find them, and, and Naya and and everybody else kind of trying to defend the apartment. I just love the entire scene. Um, I love the ending part. And I think, you know, at the very end when they're, they're walking out, Dimitri and Isaiah and Naya and they're, everybody's kind of saying thank you to, to Dimitri because really he saved, he saved the community. Uh, him and his, and his guys saved the community. And then they, someone asked him, like, what do we do now? And he said, we continue to fight. And I took that, I took that as him saying, not physically fight and violent, but him saying like, okay, we, we, we know what happened here. We know what these guys did. These guys sent plans. They sent mercenaries. We now have to fight like with verbally and kind of like how Nye was in the beginning of the movie when she was kind of like protesting. At least that's how I took it. I don't know if you took it differently. No, that's exactly how I took it as well. And, um, and again, it, it, because it all spins off into the TV series, it, it all makes sense. I just, I wish as much as I love Dimitri and Nye in this movie, um, I wish that they would have used characters that were more likely to come back for the TV show. Um, because then we could have continued that storyline directly. Like imagine if that purge TV show picked up immediately where this one left off with those characters and they're trying to fight politically as well as preparing for the next purge. And just, I think that would have been a better story, but that's, that's again, that's me bringing in another medium uh, of TV that necessarily, even though it kicks off from this, it has nothing to do with this movie. Yeah, sometimes it's it, it, it sometimes it's not always the best thing to do that either. Um, so maybe they they didn't want to take that route, and um, they couldn't they could reuse these characters though in a I don't know what the right word is uh, sequel to the prequel. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the right terminology for that would be, but you know, I, I, in some aspect. Um, who knows? Maybe Dimitri might be the new the new Frank Grillo because we didn't we didn't get uh, Frank. That's the name, right? Frank Grillo. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get Frank Grillo in this one. He opted to, to. They offered him a role, I believe, and then he opted out. So uh, maybe we might get this. Might start another resurgence um, of movies. Or um, I'm not sure. What do you think? Do you think this is it, or do you think they continue? I would think they continue, especially since they have the TV show going. So they're gonna have a fan base off of that. Why not continue to make films, especially when it freaking they made over a hundred million dollars on it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, m- maybe the original intent was to, was to say, hey, um, we can spin this off into a TV show. We can make money off of it. Maybe we're done with films. But when you have a return like this off thirteen million dollars and you get a hundred and thirty, uh, that we're definitely getting another one. 
Absolutely. Just even if they do half of this, it's worth it. Half of, you know, they do 65 million. They're still up 50 plus million. So why not? So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But again, this is a, this is another, another, um, you know, another win. Um, for, this is Blumhouse, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's another win for Blumhouse. And, um, we see a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, JB, I mean, what, what's, what's the kill count on this movie? You know, you know what the people are waiting kill- for. Yeah, so the kill count on this movie is 114. <laughs> now, that's that's that. I, there's no way in hell I would have sat down for 90 minutes and counted all the motherfuckers that died in this movie. Um, nah, the kill count is just you want to know the kill count? Count that shit yourself. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so what are you rating this movie? Um, for me, absolutely, I, I, I definitely recommend this movie. Must watch. Um, it was a great movie, I, I, I loved it. Yeah, definitely got to see it. Um, I won't say me, yeah. I won't say best movie ever, but you definitely got to see it. Um, especially if you're so okay. Just at a bare minimum, I would say watch this movie. If you never watched the Purge movie ever, this is the one for you. Jump right in. I say watch this movie. For those that are really into Purge films, I, I, this almost is a is a best movie ever. Just just I know that's just our rating system, but yeah, if you if you are you steeped in this franchise, you have to watch this movie. So let, let let me ask you this question then. Go ahead and rank the four movies. Okay. Um Purge one. I would say then this one, the first purge. Uh, we have the then, same exact ranking. Yeah, then Purge Anarchy and then Election Year. For me it's the exact same thing. I think as much as I like this movie, I still have to go with the original Purge because I remember when that shit came out. I was like, holy shit, who thought of this concept? Because I, I just thought it was like such an amazing, like what? Like 24 hours? Kill everyone who you want? No, 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 you're not going to jail. Nothing. I was like, holy shit. So, and this is the way it was done. Um, that first one was, was great. And then I'd have to say this one. This one edges out Anarchy just by a little bit. And don't get me wrong. Anarchy was a great movie. Um, but this one edges out a little bit more. And, um, election year, I already said how I felt about election year. I wasn't really a big fan of election year. But yeah, I definitely agree with that. How about your um your do you have a best kill? I think we kind of both agreed. There was a lot of kills in this, and nothing really stood out. Not saying that the kills weren't good. They just didn't stand out that we could actually pick a best kill. You agree? Yeah, yeah. The the this because it wasn't a straight up horror movie, it 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 wasn't the kills that we look for usually in the best kills of the movie. I would say again, just watch this overall check out the movie, but I can't pick out a single kill. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. And how about the white girl moment? The whole block party. We both agreed on that as well. Like that. Who throws a block party in the middle of a purge? I mean, you know, people are out there looking to kill people and the you decide to throw a block party. That's just they were just looking to die. And then of all people to show up at the block party, freaking Skeletor of all people shows up, gets grinded on. And that chick was just stupid. Um, but again, like you said, the, every single person that was at that block party, they all white girl moment. Every one of them. <laughs> yep. No, no arguments for me there. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. What else did we, anything else for this one? No, that's it. That is this week, uh, episode of the fair frequency next week. Um, I know we were supposed to be doing the nun. So next week, next week, we're do- not next week, but the next episode, we're doing the nun, right? JB. Absolutely, we're doing the none. Uh, we figured um, the first episode of uh, or, of every month 
somewhat we'll be doing like you know we'll have the the uh the listener request where we do the poll on twitter or some form of social media whatever everybody votes on and it happened to be the nun so the beginning of december uh, our first episode in december we'll be doing the nun yep and then i really want to do overlord because i that's just one of my favorite movies of the year um once you get a chance to see it but so that's what's on the horizon we'll definitely put up a couple more polls get you guys opinion on what we should review next but that has been the free frequency jb tell the beautiful and lovely listeners where they can find you i can be reached on twitter at the p1jb that's at t-h-e-p-1-g-j-b and you can follow me at ceo hayes that's at ceo h-a-i-z-e you can also follow the fear frequency at the fear freak pod oh god i need to change that freak <laughs> but nonetheless this hey, is hey try to get freaky frequency. with y'all people <laughs> this has been the fair frequency presented by the breaks media we will see you lovely people in two weeks got a sexual healing <laughs> this has been a presentation of the breaks, breaks, breaks media, media. 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 media.